0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: It wasn't like every man for himself. It wasn't like, hey, you know what? You need to be them kids, better hurry up. You know, it was a, it was a actively looking out for the weak among us. So I think that's important as a body of believers, that we need those that are looking out for the weak among us. And again, when I talk about the weak among us in the bodies, the weak, it might be the spiritually weak. It may be the emotionally weak. But do we have people that that have their back that are looking out for them? Because many times those are the people getting picked off by the enemy, the weak.
0: People are by nature self-focused. And so from childhood on, you have to learn that you are not the center of the universe and you should care for the people around you. And that's exactly what Pastor Bill shares today. When the Israelites were preparing to enter the land that God had promised them, they were to keep a rear guard to protect the weaker people in their camp. And God wants you to do the same. You'll be challenged to consider how you can have the backs of the more vulnerable people in your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Verse 18 and the standard of the camp of Reuben set out according to their armies. Over the over their army was El, 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 uh, Elizer, the son of Shadur. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Simeon was... Sh, here go these names again, y'all forgive me. Shalumi, Shalumi, Shalumiel, the son of Zer, Zer, Zerishadai. Oh man. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Gad was... was Eliashaf, the son of Duel. Whew. Then the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. So this is the way here. The Kohathites' job was to carry the holy things. They had the, the articles for worship. And the deal was they were, they were back in the, in the, you know, you got the whole company moving forward. They were going to be lagging a little bit. They're, they're supposed to get there. When they show up, everything's supposed to be set up for them to bring these things in. And so notice that they're counting on, said so the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things, the tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. That means that the other groups were to go ahead and get their job done. So when the Kohathites come, they're able to bring the articles and put them in their places. And I just want you to see how everybody's dependent upon everybody else. And if somebody would have decided not to do their part, how it would have messed it up for somebody else. What if the Kohathites like show up and they've been on this long journey? They got the heavy stuff that they're carrying, and they get there and they're supposed to just be able to go and set it up. And they get there and it's not set up yet. Now they got to stand around because the other group didn't move out. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't get there. They didn't get there and set up like they were supposed to. That doesn't happen here, but it does happen in the body of Christ, where there are times where you got somebody not in place, somebody supposed to be somewhere, not somewhere. I tell people that serve, right? If something happens and you can't be there, you gotta say something. You gotta call. You gotta let somebody know. You cannot just not show up. I I take that as as a huge disrespect. If you don't call and don't show, nobody does that at work that still has a job. You don't never not call, not show. But when you don't call or show, It's almost to me like saying, I don't value what I do. I don't think it's that big a deal. And if you guys have to go without it or someone's not prepared to do it, I I don't really care that much about it. To me, it's at least like if I can't be on a Sunday, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to call whoever as early as possible. Clint, start studying, say a prayer. I'll pray with them. You know, I want them to have as much time as possible to prepare, to be ready so that because I believe that what I do is important. And I want whoever to be there to do it to have had as much time as they can have to be as prepared as they can be so whatever they do is good. I believe the same is important for the children's ministry, for the worship ministry, for the security ministry, for all the different things that people do. Um, We want to value it like that because, again, one person just not doing their part can throw everything else off. And I don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. We're all working together. Amen? And so moving on verses. Twenty-two, and the standard of the camp of the children of Ephraim set out according to their armies. Over their army was Elishama, the son of Amihud. Amihud, that's what I'm gonna call him. To verse twenty-three, over the army of the tribe of the children of Manasseh was Gamaliel the son of Pedazur, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Benjamin was Abidan the son of. Gedoni. Then the standard of the camp of the children of Dan, the rear guard of all the camps, set out according to their armies. Over their army was Ahazer, the son of Am- Amishaddai. So I want to say this real quick about verse 25. This group right here was going to be the rear guard. Um, the camp, the children of Dan, they're going to be the rear guard of the camps. What's the, the rear guard? Kind of an important group because If you go out to battle or if you are moving out and the enemy decides that I'm going to come behind you, when you've got a big company of people like that, the people that are usually in the rear are your elderly people, your sickly people, your weak people, your young people. That's who's in the back. So the tribe of Dan is the rear guard. We got that. We'll hang back behind the sick and the weak and the slow. And we're we're the rear guard. We're guarding them from behind. So if somebody comes from behind to pick off the weak, we got that. Um, We got some people back there that have dedicated themselves to making sure that you're not picking grandma off on my watch. And so I just want to say that's an important role that you know that that these are people that I just in that I hear there's caretaking to look after the weak. It wasn't like every man for himself. It wasn't like, hey, you know what? Interview you know, them kids, better hurry up. You know, it was a, it was a actively looking out for the weak among us. So I think that's important as a body of believers, that we need those that are looking out for the weak among us. And again, when I talk about the weak among us in the bodies, the weak, it might be the spiritually weak. It may be the emotionally weak, but do we have people that, that have their back that are looking out for them? Because many times those are the people getting picked off by the enemy, the weak the emotionally weak, the spiritually weak, they're out there getting picked off, pop, pop, pop. We need to be looking out for them, caring for them, not just running off without them, saying, well, they got to fend for themselves," but where's our heart, right? Where's the tribe of Dan? We're looking out for them, right? The Bible says that we we want to bear with the scruples of the weak. We want to bear with them. We're going to hang in there with them and walk with them and try to try to bring them along. We want to do our best to work with those that are weak and struggling among us. And so... I just, I like that imagery that the tribe of Dan was the ones hanging back. Um, one of my favorite little sections of scripture in, in Isaiah 58, dealing with fasting, says, it says uh, in, in Isaiah 58 that the, the Lord promises there to be their rear guard. And I remember one of my Bibles I wrote behind, I said, the, the Lord has my back. You know, the guys I'll be your rear guard. As you go out, as you're, as you're moving forward and going out and service and everything else, I'll be your rear guard. I'll look out. I'll look out for you from behind. So, the tribe of Dan was that group that was looking out from behind. Verse twenty-six: Over the army of the tribe of the children of Asher was Pegiel the son of Ochran, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Naphtali was Ahira the son of Enon. Thus was the order of of march of the children of Israel according to their armies when they began their journey. Now. Verse 29, we're going uh, to, there's a, there's a discrepancy about the names here. Uh, so I'll just point it out right now. It's, um, I'll, let me read it and I'll go back and explain. So verse 29, now Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. So here it's calling this man um, Hobab, who's the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. What's another name that we have on file for Moses' father-in-law? Anybody? Jethro. Like Jethro with a J. <laughs> so Jethro, we already got that name on file. So there's a discrepancy here. I'll, 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 I'll read what I found. I was looking over this over the last week and a half. Um, m- most of what I read on it, is, it's, I can't say it's, what I'm going to say is even conclusive. I have I have some, some, Some ways in which we can look at it and figure it out so there's a it's actually a language issue where when the bible in the old testament uses son-in-law it's not as descriptive as we might think when i read the word son-in-law that's one person but the way that it's used in scripture it it could be a grandfather it could be a brother Um, it's not as definitive as when we say son-in-law and so that's part of where i believe the discrepancy comes in so Um, Anyway, Moses, okay, Moses said this. I'm sorry, to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. This is what Moses said. We are setting out for the place which the Lord said I will give you. Come with us and we will treat you well for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. So Moses is reaching out. Um, This man is a Midianite. And they weren't, the children of Israel are the only people that believe in the true living God at this time. The Midianites believed in different gods. But God, Moses reaches out and says, hey, come with us. I want you to come with us. God has promised good things to us. We're going to treat you well. I want you to come with us. Verse 30. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. So, his initial response was, no, I'm going go back home to my people, to my family. I don't want to go with y'all. And for a lot of people, they stop right there. Well, I asked him. I invited them, I told him to come. I told him it was going to be good. He didn't want it. So there. But I just want you to notice what Moses does. Verse 30. So Moses said, please do not leave. Inasmuch as you know how we are a camp in the wilderness. And you can be our eyes. And it shall be if you go with us. Indeed, it shall be that whatever good the Lord does will do to us, the same we will do to you. So Moses tries another approach. He says, hey, I know you've been out here in this wilderness for a while. I know you know how to do stuff out here. When you come with us, we need you. Would you come be our eyes? And he says, and whatever good God does to us, we're going to do it to you. Because God's getting ready to do some great things among us. And so, I just would point out here that Moses, when I, this is reaching out. Moses is reaching out and saying, hey, come with us. And he's pleading with him to come with them. And He does something that we might not necessarily do, but I was kind of meditating on this and as I looked at this, Moses is telling out, I don't know that I would go out and tell a non-believer, hey, come, I I didn't want you to come, come to church. No, I don't really do church, church. I'm going to go do my own thing, you know, but we need you over there. I I, I recognize this ability that you have. I'm going to invite you to come and we, we need that over here. We need that ability that you have. God wants to make use of that. Come over here and be blessed. That's essentially what Moses is doing. He's not saying, you know, come and we're going to put you in a position. But he's saying, come, you could be our eyes out here. You know what to look for. Um, I'm not much of an outdoorsman uh, for you guys that know me. I'm, I'm a city dweller. Uh, I grew up in the city. I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't want to ever be, I don't even want to be a wilderness man. It's not my thing. I like city. I like plugs and stuff that works. You know, I, that's what I like. I want a vacation. I want a room with nice stuff ac and everything else so anyway but some people this is what they do and i have been camping and i've been blessed that when i have been camping there have been some guys that that's what they do they know how to set up the tents they know you know how where to where to do a fire at they know they just they think about things i I remember going to a camp with a bunch of pastors in the sequoias i didn't want to go but it was a pastor's getaway. So all the pastors, it was our time to get away. And I was like, this is not a getaway. I wanna live with the bears and bugs. I don't wanna go, but I had to go. And I remember being up there and there were guys, they were like, these men became like kids. They had all their camping equipment, they had their tents. They got up there, jumped out quick. They start sweeping dirt. I'm like, why are you sweeping the dirt? They wanna smooth out the dirt underneath where the tent's gonna go and I'm like, I'm just like, I thought you just throw the tent up. You know, they're sweeping the dirt, making it smooth, making circles. And I'm like, y'all are really into this. This is what shit's, y'all are, this is, I don't know nothing about this here, you know. And, um, but they were into it. So I was glad at least to be with them. Bears would come at night. And so I'm glad that there was someone there because I'm a snacker. But they said, don't have any food in your tent because they're going to come and they have great sense of smell. All the food had to stay in the vans and sure enough, we wake up the next day and did y'all hear them bears? We heard them. And there's paw prints from the bears all around the the vans. And I'm like, so if I had that food in my tent, I would have been a black burrito. So, you know, I was thankful for these guys that they knew camping. That's what they do. So that's, Moses is using that with, He's using that here to say, hey, we, we, can, we want you to be our eyes. You could be helpful out there. So I would say this, right? And I, I, I really gave thought to this as I was going through this and thinking about it. Obviously, when I'm reaching out to someone far sharing the gospel, I'm saying you need Jesus, right? I my, Usually my approach is not looking at what you could do. I usually ignore that. I might see that they have some great ability, but that's not my primary thing. It's like, you know what? You have a need, Right, I'm not looking at what you could do, what you could offer. I'm looking at what you need. And I'm sharing Christ with you because you need him. And I'm not saying that that would ever change. But I don't know if it would be altogether bad if I saw some ability in someone and said, you know what, I know God could use that. Because could, he could. There are things that I'll look at and say, man, if you would just give yourself to the Lord, God, God could use that. That would be a blessing to the Lord. Um, you just need to come. And so one thing I would challenge us with in this chapter um, or just the end of this chapter, this portion right here is that Moses was turned down flatly initially. And he didn't just say, Okay, well, I tried. I shared. For you, any of us here that are sharing the gospel, it is, it is disheartening when you get shut down. And who share the gospel with you, and you try to share it with somebody, and then boom, 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 they shoot you down. And you, some people, so especially if you're emotional, you get all in your feelings. I tried. I'm not sharing the gospel ever again. And you just quit. But just consider, consider what Moses did here. He went back in for a second. He went back, he went for a double dip. I'm gonna try that one more time. And you know, this might not be the best analogy, but I know that when there's something you really want, that we're willing to put ourselves out there a little further in order to have it happen. Uh, I've known guys back in the day that wanted somebody's phone number. One no was not enough no's. No, no, a clear no. I'm gonna try that one more time. Maybe you didn't hear me good. Another no. Okay, let me me try it again, you know. um, Just something that someone would want bad enough. When we think about someone else's salvation, like how many times are you willing to be shut down in order to see that they might hear you out? They might give you an ear. They might listen to you. Maybe it's someone that you've been trying to invite to church. You want them to come. Maybe somebody, I'm not going to church. You know, maybe you need to ask them again. Maybe you need to follow up with that. Maybe they need to see your persistence. Maybe, maybe it's going to be through your persistence that they see, like, wow, they really. I'm okay. I'm gonna, let me go ahead and go. You know, I'm gonna just see and see what God does to that. I'd encourage us, like Moses, that we wouldn't quit so quickly, um, that we wouldn't just be disappointed so quickly. R- real quick on the whole names: Hobab, the son of Ruel, in Exodus two, is Moses' father-in-law was called Ruel, in Exodus three he's referred to as Jethro, and here his name appears to be Hobab. In Judges 4.11, um, you know, we see it there as well. So the main thing that I found in trying to figure out, okay, what, what, what is it? I know they're in the Bible, some people have same guy, may have multiple names. The best thing I found that kind of gave a little bit of insight was what I said earlier, is that the, the phrase for father-in-law it could be a term relating to any male-in-law. So it could, have been bro- it could have been a brother, which would, would, would work if they, they would still have the same father. And so it could have been a brother-in-law, not necessarily a father-in-law, or even a grandfather, just a relative. So I just want to point that out it's not necessarily, it's not a discrepancy, but it is something that even from reading through, I don't know that I could clearly say, you know, boom, you know, we, we cancel out every other thing. I believe it is his father-in-law but I wouldn't argue it hard from there. So uh, moving on, verse 33. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was whenever the ark set out that Moses said, rise up, O Lord, Let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. And so interesting, there's a prayer that Moses prayed when when it was time to move out, when it was time for them to move out in order and the cloud was moving. And verse 34 says, and the cloud of the Lord was above them. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, rise up, O Lord, Let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. He's saying, Lord, go before us. Scatter your enemies, Lord. You just wipe them out as we head out. Go in front of us. Go before us. Do it. And as they would get back. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. Lord, come back and be among us. And in both cases, he was just saying, as we go out, Lord, be with us. Go before us. And as we come back, would you remain? Um, the prayers, both in both cases, he was asking God, "Go before us, be with us." And so, not not a bad thing. I mean, it's it's, it's a, probably a very healthy thing for us to pray that we would ask God in every endeavor, Lord, would you go before me? Would you lead out in front? Now I don't want to be out in front of you. I want to be. I, I want you to be out in front. Would you go out before me? Would you go before me into this thing? Would you, if there's anything coming up that I don't know of, Lord, would you would you fight those battles? Would you give me victory? Um, I, I believe when. We're taught to pray the Lord's prayer. We're asking the Lord to to deliver us from our enemies. You know, that we're asking him to lead us not into temptation. And so, God, God, go before us. You know what's coming my way. Before I get to it, would you lead me not into the temptation? Would you direct me? Would you lead me around anything that's going to cause me to fall? Anything's going to be a temptation? So he's praying before and even after everything settles. He's saying, Lord, would you rest here with us? And again, sometimes we can be mindful to pray as we're heading out. The unknown, the unforeseen, and knowing that we need God to go before. But forget that when we come back to rest, we want to continue to commune with the Lord. God, would you be with us? Would you be in our midst now? Now as we settle back down, would you continue to work among us? Would you continue to be with us? At every phase, we want to maintain intimacy with the Lord. We want the intimacy to know when the Holy Spirit is saying, go. That we would listen to the call of God. We want the intimacy to to know to call God and know that he'll go before us and defeat the enemies before us. And we want intimacy with the Lord that when everything is going well and we're resting, that even in that rest, we're enjoying his presence in our rest. That at every phase of life, our goal would be to be with him and that he would be with us. That we would grow in our intimacy with the Lord Jesus. And so if we close the chapter, just three things. Number one, um, from verses one through six, as God was calling them through the blowing of the trumpet, and we compared that to the work of the Holy Spirit, just God's, God speaking to us intimately, that we would all challenge our own hearts and ask ourselves, how well do we listen to God when He calls upon us? Are we instant in our obedience? Do we move out when God calls? And so everybody here can something you could ask yourself and uh, if we find that we're not instant, we're not obedient, we don't hear very clearly, that that would be something that you would pray about. God, give me, give me, give me clarity. Help me to begin to be obedient when I hear Your voice. Uh, number two, as they were making their way out, they're taking their first steps out toward the promised land, but they were doing it all together. We talked about the the need for unity among the body, and that all of us here would really challenge our own hearts with regard to what our what we're doing to be a part of walking in unity, that we're we're a part of it, that we help there to be unity among the believers. And thirdly, and this will be the one that I would challenge all of us on, as Moses went once to his father-in-law, he went out again and just was asking him to come out, come with us. He gave him a reason to come, something to do when he comes. Need needs you to be our eyes. For those that you're reaching out to, that we'd be more persistent I realize that the devil is persistent. He doesn't let up quickly, and sometimes we we be we give up quick. But the enemy is not; he's persistent. He goes after people. I looked at you know you look at Matthew four one through eleven when Jesus was being tempted, Satan came once, twice, and a third time. He was relentless. He just till he was chopped up with the word of God before he went away. And so there are people out there being chipped up by the enemy. He's relentless. We want to make sure that we're diligent in our pursuit of those that need the Lord. And so, if there are people that maybe you've gone after before and you got turned down, or you got your feelings hurt, or you got you know, discouraged by how they responded, would you be encouraged to go again? A little more tenacity, a little more urgency, uh, that you would go back. And just say, hey, you need to. Whether you're inviting them to church or you're sharing Christ with them, that they would come to Jesus, that you would just go again, see what God will do. As you step out to to speak for him and reach out to people.
0: You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested in return. These wayward people test God's patience towards them. But God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by A Transforming Word.